0: come on, okay. Cinematic scenes ever in a movie. We have two fantastic actors. We have Tom Cruise, who's playing Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. He is a lawyer in the Navy JAG Corps. And we have Jack Nicholson, who is playing Colonel Jessup, the commander of the US base in Cuba. Now. Lieutenant Caffey has been assigned to defend two men, two Marines that have been accused of murder. They have been accused of going in to a fellow Marines bunk and committing what's called a code red. That is that they were trying to punish him for not falling in line. Now, the commanders of the base had said that these men explicitly went against their orders that they had said that this other Marine was to be left alone, but the two Marines continued to say that, in fact, the order had come down from on high. Now, Lieutenant Caffey has been trying to get to the bottom of this story throughout the movie. And we come to the climactic courtroom scene. And finally, Colonel Jessup has been called up to the stand and Lieutenant Caffey is standing there across the courtroom and he's demanding answers. He says, Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? And the judge says, you don't have to answer that question. Colonel Jessup says, I'll answer the question. You want me to keep going? (laughs) But our story today also has a question. In fact, it has two questions for two different people. Why did you lie? Is this the price? It's a tough story to read. What do we do with a text like this that at first glance doesn't seem like it should belong in our New Testament? One that seems to speak of swift and quick judgment, seemingly devoid of the grace that we have come to know that Jesus offers those who sin. And perhaps you're like me, and you would prefer to just Ignore these few lines altogether, focusing instead on the previous chapter, the previous passage, where we get to celebrate the beauty that is the church coming together in perfect harmony for the first time. Or maybe if you are a pastor or on a finance committee, you think that this sermon is better appropriate for pledge season. (laughs) I don't know. But what I really, really, really did not want to have to wrestle with when I looked at this text was its basic message. Because it's easier to make it about giving or about pride and arrogance or about not being a true believer, not trusting other people, anything to make it not about lying and the consequences that our lies bring. Because The truth is you and I are not too different from our dear brother and sister Ananias and Sapphira. Just as it was then, it now is also that lying seems to be second nature to most of us. You look great in that. I'm on my way. (coughs) Sure I did that. We try to make light of it and we point out that most of these little white lies, well, they're good for everyone, they grease the wheel of society and human relationships, that the truth really is often too hard and too painful for someone to handle. But we lie because we can't seem to stop ourselves. In a recent study, they found that by four years old, over 90% of children know how to lie and lie well. They've also found that over 60% of people couldn't make it through a single 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. Yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, I know the book. We all lie. And we do it so well and so often that we oftentimes fool ourselves that we do it at all. It's easy to point out deceit in others it is much harder to find it in our own lives. No, we are not that much different from Ananias and Sapphira as much as we wish we were. And no matter how much we try to tell ourselves that our lives are for the good of the community, just like Ananias and Sapphira, we quickly find out that's not true. My guess is that the two of them had a mindset that this wasn't a big deal. I mean, who would ever know? They sold their land. It was their money. They were giving some, if not most of it, to the community. So what was the problem if they said they gave it all? Who were they actually hurting? But as they told their lies in front of Peter and the other apostles and the gathered community, it becomes clear that this is not a small thing, that this lie is no trifling matter. It becomes clear that, in fact, this lie had the power to damage the entire community. We have to remember that at this moment, we are looking at the nascent fledgling church. There are no systems and structures in place, no committees, book of order, No thousands of years of power and tradition to hold this group of people together. All this community had was their neighbors and the trust they could place in one another. We realized that there was no requirements that they sell everything. There was no mandate that they donate all that they sold. But once Ananias and Sapphira stepped forward, Once they declared that this was everything they had, they broke the very trust they had been given. And in doing so, they put everyone at risk. Without trust, how could this baby church, this fragile community, ever survive the pressure that was swiftly coming at it? The power of a lie to destroy trust and community is evident everywhere we look. A recent Gallup poll found that over 90% of Americans don't trust their government anymore. While at the same time, voter turnout is the lowest it's been since World War II. When mistrust enters the scene, people are less likely to join in and participate in a community. We remember Lance Armstrong of the Tour de France and Livestrong fame. Once news of his lying and cheating came forward, the entire Livestrong empire he had created came crashing down. You couldn't pay people to take those yellow jerseys and yellow wristbands any longer. All of the good that he had done for cancer research, for medical research, was wiped out. Lies destroy community. They fracture the fragile web of trust that is needed for individuals to begin to be willing to risk thinking of others before themselves. Years ago, when news of the Catholic Church's covering up of priests broke. When the world began to see the depths of the lies that the Church had gone to to protect people, we knew there was going to be a problem. They've done studies and showed that in the seven years following that original announcement in the Catholic Church, they saw over a 10% decline in attendance. When we look at the most common cause that people say they don't want to be a part of church anymore because they don't feel like they can trust the institution or the people. Lying is a problem that God, the sustainer and creator of the community of Christ, cannot overlook. And more concerning than that Scientists and psychologists have recently found that they believe that lying is actually contagious, like a cold, that when one person that has power or standing in a community stands up and lies, all the people around it become far more susceptible to lying in their own life. Now we find Peter harsh in this story. And yet, perhaps he reminds us that there is an impetus on each and every one of us to speak out when we see the truth being perverted. That we have a responsibility in our communities to our communities and the people we love to raise our voices when we know something is not true. Because Lies don't just threaten our community, they threaten individuals. They threaten the people that we profess to love as our brothers and sisters. And perhaps the hardest part of this text to hear it says, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he died. That the result of lying for both Ananias and Sapphira is going to be death. We live in a world that is uncomfortable with the concept of God executing swift justice and judgment. We would rather assume that their death was the result of some kind of natural act. And it is possible, as many commenters note it, that these two deaths were not in fact supernatural. And modern research seems to perhaps support this argument because we know that lying has severe physical, emotional, and mental effects. Recent studies, psychologists have found that people who lie have a higher complaint of sore throats, upset stomach, headaches, and other illnesses. They have higher levels of stress hormone, higher blood pressure, and they've reduced immune systems. Lying kills, if more slowly than Ananias and Sapphira. And not only do they affect our physical bodies, not only do they kill us from the inside, they kill our relationships. Because as these two began to plot and plan, as they began to think of the way in which they could mislead their community, all of a sudden they find themselves outside of their community. No longer can they feel comfortable with their neighbors and the secrets that they begin to keep will keep them from truly engaging in the life of their community. It will destroy their home life. For all we can see before this moment, they were a happy and secure family with a home and plenty of land. They were following the new church. They were a part of this beautiful new community. And in one lie, they managed to lose it all. In the passage right before today's text, the end of chapter 4, we read a story about Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, in fact, also had a plot of land, and he went and he sold it. And he took all of that money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Moved by God, he committed a generous act. And perhaps what happened was Ananias and Sapphira, they watched Barnabas, and they watched how the community reacted to him, and they wanted that same notice, that same acclaim. But part of the discipline of selling and giving was to learn to trust brothers and sisters in Christ. It was to learn to become more Christ-like in generosity, to become closer to God. But Ananias and Sapphira, it seems they wanted the recognition of being those kinds of people without actually doing the work that it takes to become that kind of person. One commenter says that this is the very worst kind of hypocrisy that Jesus fought against. To want to be praised for being good and godly without doing so. And so, while it is possible that in that one moment when they were called out, that the implications of all of their weight, that the lies came crashing down on Ananias and Sapphira in the moment of Peter's question, that the physical effects of the shock were responsible for their death, it seems that is an easy escape from a hard truth. The truth that God punished people, these two people for lying, With immediate death. Because the fact is that the worst thing that they did wasn't lie to their community, it wasn't to lie to themselves, but they tried to lie to God and the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning of God's relationship with His people, He has reminded us to watch our tongues. You shall not bear false witness. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Lying in the fashion of Ananias and Sapphira is to fly in the very face of the commandments that we have been given as the people of God. To love God and to love your neighbor, you have to be a truthful person. We cannot lie for our own benefit and still claim to love those that we cheat. And yes, it is difficult. And it feels like there is no grace given in this moment, but we forget no one made them lie. Ananias knowingly and willingly brought the money forward to mislead the people of God. And Peter gave Sapphira a second chance to change her story. Was this really the amount As people of God, as representatives of God and God's kingdom, our words carry much weight. And if we are untrustworthy, then it seems likely that people will assume that our king is untrustworthy as well. When we lie, we don't just weaken our own position, we weaken the position of God in the world. When we try to present ourselves as better than we are without putting in the work, we see the kind of hypocritical scandals that abound in the news and weaken the message of God in this world for the people who need to hear it the most. God cannot and does not stand idly by while the impact and trustworthiness of his kingdom and his word is tarnished in our streets. God acts and acts in judgment, one that is perhaps a mercy for the greater community. Ananias and Sapphira were not given a second chance, but by the grace of God, we are. We have a chance to be The kind of people who are committed to our word, who are truthful and honest in our dealings with one another and ourselves. Who don't attempt to gain baseless praise that fractures our communities, ourselves, and God's word. It's not easy, but it is what we are called to do, and not doing so will come with a consequence. Perhaps not this moment, but someday nonetheless. Colonel Jessup says, I'll answer the question. He turns to Kathy, sits in a courtroom. Everyone holds a breath. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth, Colonel Jessup says. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You. I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives, and my existence saves lives keeps going on, going on. And so Kathy again says, did you order the code red? I did the job. I did you order the code red? You're right, I did. Silence. Across the courtroom. The Holy Spirit is called the great counselor for a reason. Like a good lawyer, it will force us to face the truth. It convicts us when our lies are on display. It calls us out when we would try to hide those lies behind twisted logic, rationalizing about how it's good for other people. We're doing it to protect them. We're to protect ourselves. We have choices. We can, like Colonel Jessup, like Ananias and Sapphira, cling to our lies. And they will lead us into destruction, embarrassment, and eventually judgment. Or we can, in deep repentance, run humbly to the foot of the cross, where we are forgiven and covered In the blood of Christ. Where we are called to be a people who speak the truth of God's word. God is patient with us. But God does act. We must be a people who recognize the power of God's judgment. And turn from our ways before we find It's too late. The word of God spoke into the darkness and brought light. As the people who profess that word, we are to be people who bring light. Let us speak the truth of the good news. Amen.